Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. Inspired by the mission 7 Billion Fulfilled People, I track down the greatest thought leaders on the planet and interview them about happiness and fulfilment. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Wallace J. Nichols. Jay is a scientist, activist, and New York Times best-selling author of the book Blue Mind, the surprising science that shows how being near, in, on, or underwater can make you happier, healthier, more connected, and better at what you do. He's the co-author of a number of organizations that work to help inspire a deeper connection with nature and create inventive solutions to pressing issues. He's the author or co-author of more than 50 scientific papers and reports, and has recently been honored by the Fijian Prime Minister with the Champion of Change Award. Jay, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Really looking forward to our conversation. I was was thinking to myself earlier, what would be like the best way to prepare for this? And apart from sort of jumping in with all the research and like watching what you've been up to, I thought I was going to have a bit more of a hands on with this one. So I I moved to Amsterdam about eight, about eight months ago. And so I had a little 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just quiet time by the water, by the canal. I I listened to Enya, Caribbean Blue. And then I also, (laughs) beforehand, I always go, I I felt like a little walk and I thought I'd go for some ice cream. But as I got to the ice cream place, I actually decided, I'm not sure if this one's such a good one, but I chose sorbet instead of ice cream because I thought it's got a bit more water in it. So (laughs) I was trying to to tick off as many like boxes as possible. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I've never been interviewed by anyone more prepared than you. That's, like, that's as in yeah, <laughs> screw the research like Enya and a sorbet yeah. like you don't you don't get better than that. Well, I would say that's usually that's usually where these conversations end up is right where we're started. People people at the end of a conversation at the end of an interview say, "What should people do?" And you've just started the conversation with what should people do? And the answer is the answer is you don't need to read all the research. You don't even need to read my book. You just need to open to the last page, which says get in the water. That's that's like the whole the whole thing right there is do what you just described. Just go make it a priority if you can daily, um, certainly weekly. But just go down to the water and listen to Semenya and look at the water or paddle on it. Jump in it if you can. Um, that's really the you know the the take home message is uh is to get in touch with your water more even if it's you know sorbet and it makes you happy <laughs> i guess that's a good thing yeah not so complicated neuroscientists around the world have been um examining our brains on chocolate our brains on iphone our brains on sex music red wine but until reasonably recently in the whole conversation they're quite late to explore the connection between our brains and the ocean weren't they that's right. I, I, you know, it's kind of like nature was last on the list. I know if you can imagine the neuroscientists had this list that they shared with each other of all the cool things they could study. Like you said, chocolate and sex and music and, and happiness and anger and all these emotions and all this. Even There's even a book about the neuroscience of magic. So how it describes how magicians trick us into believing they can do things that they can't. And the way they do it is they understand our brain better than we do, which gives them the edge. Uh, marketers do the exact same thing, right? So it's, it's sleight of hand, it's illusionism. And so there's a book about the neuroscience of, of sleight of hand, basically. And there wasn't, for a very long time, a book about nature, in the brain or about water in particular. 
uh, in the brain. I, I wanted to read it. I, I, w- I didn't really want to write Blue Mind. I wanted to read Blue Mind. And um, I couldn't find it. <laughs> and then I couldn't find anybody who would write it. And so that's sort of the third choice was uh, to buckle down and do the research and do the interviewing and, and write the book so that I could read it, I suppose. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm just as surprised as you that water would be so low on the list, considering that we live on a water planet. We are first and foremost made of water. Um, we all spent the first nine months of our lives living underwater. I don't know if you remember that, but <laughs> you did. Uh, but solid, you, know, you never got out of the water for nine months. You were in the dark underwater for nine months swimming around. And we are water, you know, every, every organism on the planet is, is a water organism, essentially. Um, so yeah, it's kind of surprising that, that, uh, that I had to write the book, I guess, is the, at the end of the day. But beyond that, it's, it's an important conversation, I think, to, uh, to take to people, to have conversations with, with people like you, to reach a new audience, to make them kind of go, wow, that's really interesting. You know, hadn't thought of that. I do need to get in the water more and, and have more fun in the water. I mean, yeah. the, the, the idea of being in nature, being by the water makes you feel better. I mean, th- that idea when you when you kind of say it like that, kind of feels it feels intuitive. It feels like, of, of course. Um, what is through, through your, when when you're researching this book and you are like you said you're interviewing people and you're looking at like the hard science, not just like oh yeah, it's nice to be in nature, but actually breaking it down and seeing the science behind it. What is something if that idea of being in nature makes you feel better is intuitive? What is something maybe that you came across that maybe most of the public don't know or that was maybe a bit surprising even to you? I think the connection between water and creativity was one of the coolest pieces of, of um, the story. Uh, and, you know, yeah, water makes you feel good. That's a pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty intuitive, hard to argue idea. But as a scientist, I, I want to know why. You know, I just scientists relentlessly ask why, 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 why? Uh, Not everybody wants to know why. Some people prefer leaving things mysterious or magical. Um, But uh, I think knowing why is really useful, uh, particularly since most people, you know, I've never met somebody that said, yeah, I'm, I'm spending as much time as I need in the water or near the water. Uh, everybody I meet wishes they had a little more time or a lot more time to spend near, in, on, or under the water they love. Mm. So we all need encouragement. We all need reminders. I need to be reminded to just like break away, stop work, go get in the ocean. Um, so that's that's one part of it. But one of the most interesting pieces of what I learned was about creativity and how water can uh, – by helping us relax, it can help us think, and not just to do math, but to solve solve problems, to think outside the box, to become more innovative, uh, even more collaborative, um, and and that's really important. You know, so under, you know, understanding the role of water in the creative process, uh, I started looking around for artists 
and musicians and entrepreneurs and scientists who had written about or spoken about or had an experience that fit into this box. And there's so many, there's so many creative people in all disciplines that say that they had their breakthrough moment or they, they go to the water to, to boost their creativity. So two examples, um, Pharrell Williams, the musician, you might be familiar with yeah, his, his songs, pretty, pretty well-known guy, <laughs> uh, makes his living from his creativity. You can say, right. That's if he was not creative, he would not have a career. He says that he got his creativity. He gets his creativity from water, from growing up by the water, growing up by the Atlantic ocean in Virginia beach. Um, you look it up, just look up Pharrell Williams on water and you'll find him describing how water gave him his creativity. And then obviously he did a lot with his creativity, made a career of it. Um, there's an, another person, uh, the, the great neurologist, Oliver Sacks, uh, who passed away last year, brilliant intellect, uh, one, one of the greatest thinkers, uh, wonderful writer, uh, and kind of, kind of a, a mentor in a way. And, uh, he said he got his best ideas while swimming. And so here's a guy who made his living off of great ideas, just stacks of great ideas that's defined his career and he says he got his best ideas while he was swimming and that's just two examples but um if you you know i would just say if you're ever feeling stuck in your thinking just go for a walk by the water go for a paddle go for a sail go for a swim go for a float um Put on water, water sound if, water, if the actual water isn't around and let yourself get washed away in it. But keep a notebook handy because you will have an idea that you want to remember. I, guar I guarantee it. Um, call me if that doesn't work. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with a, a better idea for you. But it's, uh, it's, it's astounding. So that's been one of the, the coolest um, pieces of this, this conversation and, you know, and creativity, we've got a lot of big problems to solve. You know, we need creativity. We need new ideas. Um, and so if water can be a source of creativity, well, that's, that's good. That's really good. Mm. Yeah. But you described it as we're living in sort of the golden age of neuroscience. Why? I mean, and this generation, is the first generation almost with a, I think the, the, the expression was a user's guide to the human brain. Could you maybe just explain why what, right now what we're living in is why this is such a golden age? Yeah, so in the, in the medical fields, the um, research on the brain was, it's been, it's been going on for a long time, but the technology and the tools now, now available to us that allow us to look inside, uh, to see what's going on in real time, mm. to analyze the flow of electricity and oxygen in the brain, uh, to look at ever smaller processes, to look at the neurochemistry uh, in amazing detail. 
with through MRI through MRI scans and all like literally what all like the machines now we can actually physically see down to the down to the, the neurons. Exactly. So fMRIs, uh, EEG, so measuring electricity, measuring oxygen, but also just measuring the measuring the chemistry. Um, and then you look at neurosurgery and, and the ability to kind of help put things back together uh, is a function of understanding where things are happening. And, and then you take it outside of the human realm. You know, we, we do still experiment a lot on non-human creatures, whether they're rats or uh, sea slugs, in order to understand how neurons work. But our understanding of the neuron at the cellular level, our understanding at, of the brain and the different regions of the brain, and then our understanding of our entire nervous system and its you know, integrated function throughout our bodies, uh, well, it's a really advancing quite quickly. Uh, there's still most, most of, there's mostly stuff we don't know. Um, it's the tip of the iceberg, but it's really exciting. and. I, you know, I, I compare it to the, uh, when I was younger, medical research was obsessed with the human heart. Uh, heart, he- heart health was a big deal. We kind of discovered that, you know, the heart is important to, to being healthy and people started to become a little more obsessed with heart healthy food, exercise. I can actually remember when exercise was not recommended by doctors. They just didn't <laughs> talk about it. And then all of a sudden there Surprise. was this research that said, hey, exercise is good for your health. Uh, and so now there's the recommend, recommendation that you exercise a certain amount every week, that cardio is good, and that you keeping your heart healthy is important. That was, that was actually a breakthrough piece of science or a whole realm of science. The American Heart Association, uh, you know, as an advocacy group. So that is happening now for the human brain you will see more and more brain-healthy uh, items on the menu mm. uh, in the supermarket. Brain-enhancing drinks. Uh, five years ago, there, you didn't see on a label of a drink that it was anything related to brain-enhancing. But now, um, whether it's omega-3s or uh, different kind of chemicals that boost brain function, um, you, see, you see that on the shelf. So that's changing. That's just part of it. That's sort of the consumer good side of it. But all of it together is, is pretty fascinating. And, and uh, I think it also connects to this concept of neuroliteracy. So um, that each of us should become, like you said, uh, familiar with the user's guide to our own brain. Um, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, if you ever if you ever shopped at IKEA for a piece of furniture and you got it home and it's all in pieces. And imagine trying to figure it out without the guide, sure. without that cartoon instruction sheet. You'd be in trouble, probably. You'd be there'd just be parts and pieces and holes and boards and stuff. Well, that's kind of how we've been operating with our with our the human brain. Nobody is, you know, in school, nobody says, hey, this is how your brain works. Mm. This is how you can hack it so it works better. Here are some tips. That's what I I love because I think having conversations like this, I find them so fascinating because it's it's almost like 
I, I've, you've almost got like a toolbox and, um, and you know, from each interview, you learn something different. So for example, say you've got a toolbox for happiness. Now through this conversation, a new tool is knowing about water. And so that is like, that's like, it's not, it's not the whole picture. That's not like the game changer. It's not everything. You know, you've got all these things, you know, presence, gratitude, family, relationships, purpose. You've got all these different tools. But now you know about like water, for example, then, okay, that's something which I'm actually, it's now going to be front and center. It's going to be front of the mind, which I've actually got to be giving it its weight to. Um, and without having to like go into all like the different research, just to kind of give people just the, the bird's eye view, like, what are some of the big things that the research is showing? For example, you're, at, you're near water, cortisol and cortisol levels go down. So that's stress hormone. Like what other things? You talked about creativity. What kind of things? Water are the health benefits? Yeah. So I think the best way to understand blue mind and the role of water is to start with what I call red mind. And red mind is the, you know, the opposite of blue mind. <laughs> Uh, it's quite necessary. We do need to get excited. We do need to get angry. We do need to get fired up to get things done, to survive, uh, to run away. Um, the fight or flight response is natural. It's incredibly important for survival. But in our modern society, that fight or flight button is being being pr- pushed, pressed way more than it needs to. So you you open your email, you open a text message, you turn, you turn on the TV, you look online and there's something that's meant to, to shock you. That's sort of how our media works. And it's coming from all over the world. So we're, we're overstimulated. Um, the level of, of psychological stress that we each carry is higher. There's a, there's just a, a lot of input. There's a lot of sensory input. There's a lot more information coming into your brain than your parents had to deal with and their parents and their parents, right? So you're consuming more information in a day than humans, you know, hundreds of years ago consumed maybe in a month or a year. So think about that. You're, and you're processing all of that and you're making sense of it and you're figuring out what's useful and what's not. You're filtering it, all right? That's our normal base state. And it's not all good. It's not all good for us. It does break us down. It does stress us out. It does tire us, tire us out. And we aren't at our best creatively. Um, we aren't on, at our best in terms of relationships. It puts a strain on things that we agree are important to us. So that's, that's red mind. It's normal. It's chronic. It starts in the, when you wake up in the morning and goes till you put your phone next to your head at night. Uh, and then it starts all over again when you wake up and look at your phone and it's on, right? Screens everywhere. Blue mind is when you step away from that. And water helps us make that break more quickly. Uh, you can do you know, mindfulness meditation. You can exercise. But if you add water to it, it works better and faster. So if you go for a jog, that's good. If you go for a jog by the river probably going to get you further into blue mind more quickly into that relaxed state uh, if you want to sit in the middle of your room by that plant and meditate that would be nice but if you sit by the water and meditate it might you might get to where you want to get a little more quickly um, and so what happens when we step up to the water uh, or a proxy for it 
is it frees up bandwidth. So the visually, the information coming in that's being processed by the visual centers of our brain is minimized, simplified, doesn't go away. But looking out at water is is interesting, but it's simple, right? So now, now you're not processing words, you're not process, processing stuff coming off of screens. Auditorily, it's also simplified. The sound of water, the sound of a creek, a river, or the waves lapping on the beach. Again, it's interesting, but it isn't requiring a lot of attention. It's not requiring our, us to focus. There's no language in that noise. Uh, there's, there's no jarring in that noise. There's no shock. It's calming. And then somatically, so our bodies, if you're in the water, and you want to be in the water and you're comfortable, then gravity goes away, you're floating, uh, and the parts of your brain that need to coordinate those 200 muscles that you're using right now to sit upright in that chair, they get a break as well. Those parts, so all those parts of your brain are getting a, some bandwidth back. And what happens is your brain doesn't just go to sleep, it doesn't turn off, it doesn't just take a, take a little nap, it does other things that, that it hasn't been able to do because you've been so focused. You've been up all in the front of your brain, your prefrontal cortex. So in the here and the now and the, the analysis and the processing, the worrying, the second guessing, that's where we live most of the time. You get out to the water and more of your brain is activated in a more distributed fashion, switch to a different mode. And that turns out it's, it's, it's good at other things. Uh, it's not good at fo you know, focusing on math problems, but it is good at creativity. So when you're in that mode, you, you have those aha moments, you have those insights, you make connections. You, you know, people say, um, I just wrote a poem and it, it just kind of dropped into my mind, almost complete. That's kind of the stuff that happens. Uh, when you're urgently trying to weave through traffic, your brain's not writing a poem. Um, and so it's not all about poetry, obviously it's about, you know, creativity and innovation and, and connection, but that's kind of, you know, the walkthrough from red mind to blue mind. Um, the third mind that I describe in my book is I call gray mind. And that is the kind of numbed out indifferent. So like mildly depressed, just, I don't care. The apathy. Uh, I don't care. Apathetic. Yeah. Um, pretty useless. That red mind is useful, blue mind is useful, gray mind is just sort of not not so helpful uh, at all. Um, it's a, more of a dysfunction, and so uh, blue, you know, blue mind can help you pull out of that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, I, I try to steer clear of any kind of you know silver bullet health claims sure. or. Anything related, you know, like the word cure or healing. But um, what we do know is that being near, in, on, and underwater can help the things that we know already work. So if you're, if you're taking medication for stress, if you spend time by water, your medication will work better. And maybe you can dial back on the, the amount, the dosage. So if you're, if you have a lot of anxiety, 
if you develop your relationship with water, it may help you manage your anxiety, perhaps to the point that you can dial back on some of the other things that you you may have been doing for that anxiety, which may include, you know, drinking alcohol, may include pharmaceuticals and other things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make big health claims, but I, I, sure. I do recognize that in a complementary sense, Blue Mind touches a lot of, uh, of a lot of realms. Well, building on a couple of those things, um, I saw, um, I mentioned it to you um, a couple of days ago. I watched um, the the short um, documentary Resurface, in which you feature, and where they take um, it's it's focused around uh, army vets and veterans who have from amputees to PTSD and actually the re the rehabilitation and the, the healing qualities of actually being out in the surf, being out in the water. And, and I, I appreciate that you don't want to use these words like sort of like these big claims, magic pills, but just from just a visual thing, you know, somebody would walk into the water in one state, even if it's just a temporary and emotional state and they would come out a different way. And you, there, there definitely was even just in, in a short amount of time, a transformation. Um, and so it was, it, 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 I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was extremely powerful. Just even, even without like the big claims, it does this X, Y, and Z. Mm. It, just seeing somebody walk into the water and come out in just a different place, even someone who's suffering from severe PTSD, it was, it was, it was great to see. Yeah. And, you know, we, I could tell, you could tell that film tells many stories, many anecdotes of, of exactly that. And what's starting to happen is those anecdotes are being collated into long-term studies and the, those results are being published. And it's promising. It's uh, uh, it's really cool to see what works, and you know, even so, even if Blue Mind can help a lot of people feel one percent better, so if Blue Mind can help a million people feel one percent, just one percent better, that's huge, because it's free. It's it's there. the The water is out there. Go. And we're not selling tickets. Uh, you don't need to read the book. You, if you want to get it from the library, we're not selling books. We're sharing a big idea. And so really, if it helps us, if it helps millions of people feel 1% better, hell yeah, that's, that's a good deal. Um, if it helps people who need it the most, so like veterans, first responders, with post-traumatic stress, um, kids that are dealing with high levels of anxiety, uh, if it helps them get through their lives, that's great. That is truly, I mean, really awesome. And if, if our job right here is to remind people, if one person listens and says, wow, I used to love being in the water when I was a kid, I'm really stressed out, I bet if I get back in the water, my stress will go down and I'll be a nicer person. I'll be a happier person. My relationships will be better. If that's what they wa they walk away from listening to this conversation, if, you know, wow, that's, that's one life that's improved. And so, yeah, I, I, you don't have to um, go too far to find the evidence that this, this idea is, is real. And I love it when the studies come together and provide, 
robust evidence uh, that changes our systems, that changes the way we teach, maybe changes the way doctors and nurses um, do their job. And that's, that's the long-term goal. Yeah. Uh, if, if water can help people be more creative, can help reduce stress, can help people manage pain, can help people through the end of their lives, that's just one more set of reasons that we should make sure the water is not polluted, uh, that there's access, and that we restore the, you know, the basic integrity of our waterways. Um, so that's, that's kind of, not everybody cares about the environmental stuff, but that's where I'm coming from. So, um, no, no, I love it. Because I, it's, I do. <laughs> because it, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, um, often when we see sort of, um, uh, when you, when you see things that are kind of, it's quite, it's often easy to point to like, Oh, that's not white or this isn't white or that's not white. But that alone, unless it's kind of matched with like sort of a, a compelling vision of actually something to aim towards, suddenly you can have like a lot of energy and emotion going behind something, but then it kind of, it fizzles out because you don't have that compelling vision. Like talking yeah. about that vision, can you maybe like paint a picture for me of if we can all get our shit together, like what kind of vision do you feel is possible? Yeah. So you, to your point there is, I think the environmental movement is perhaps rightly characterized as always saying no and always telling us what not to do perhaps making us feel bad about what we're doing, maybe some guilt, um, and then a lot of facts, a lot of factoids. So that's kind of, that's generally what the environmental movement is known for, is being kind of like the, you're the no people. You're telling us all the things we're not allowed to do that we should feel bad about. And this allows us to have a, a yes vision, to be able to say, wow, I want to I think about what I want and what it looks like. What does is, what is my day look like when I have my blue mind on? I walk out the door and perhaps I'm going to get a cup of coffee and I'm going to drink it overlooking the river, maybe by the canal, maybe down by the beach. I might go for a surf. I might go for a swim. I might go for a paddle. I might just listen to the sound of the water at sunrise. And then I go throughout my day, perhaps during my, during my lunch break at work, I sit next to an urban fountain and just enjoy uh, the, the soundscape of the, of the water falling. That brings me a little bit closer together with my, my friend. So we lean a little bit closer to each other. We have a private conversation that's facilitated by the sound of water. It creates like a, a, a privacy bubble. That's my lunch break. Um, and then at the end of the day, I walk home along the water and enjoy the walk home from work and go and get my family and we we go have a meal um overlooking water or we take a walk at sunset and we check out the water or we go for another another swim or another paddle um and so that's sort of a vision for uh, you know a healthy well-designed blue community that says this water is important not just for commerce, it's important for emotional, mental health, physical health, and we want to make sure our citizens have access to it. And a lot of communities around the world are embracing that vision and bringing their waterfronts back to life. They're fixing the access points 
uh, they're fixing the water quality. Uh, cities like Pittsburgh that are used to be known for the poor health of their rivers are now embracing their, their waterfront. Uh, there's an organization there called River Life that is all about getting people down to the river, on the water, uh, changing, changing the conversation about the value of the river. And it's working. I mean, people are proud of their rivers and they're, they're holding weddings down by the, by the river. And 20 years ago, if you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a wedding down by the river, people would say, oh, gross, why would you do that? And now it's like the cool thing. So you, you can just imagine how that can transform urban life uh, to have a waterway in your city that you love, where you, that's where you go to start the day, to end the day, to celebrate, uh, to pop the question, you know, to think more clearly, to cry, uh, to play, all these things that make our life better when you have some great water available. <laughs> what does a fulfilled life mean to you? You know, I, this is what my father uh, taught us, and he taught, didn't teach it sort of through words. He, he, he taught us uh, through his actions. Uh, and he passed away last year on Earth Day. Um, so we just passed a year. And uh, basically, a good life, fulfilled life, is one where you're born, you give everything you have, and then you die. That's it. That's, that's what he taught us. So I'm in the middle of giving as much as I possibly can and in, in every way I possibly can. Um, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, physically, raising my daughters, my relationship with my wife. I have a huge family of, you know, adopted and biological and foster brothers and sisters. And there's, the environment that I care so much about animals and the ocean. Um, the more I give, the better I feel. And so my dad was right. Uh, and that's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I love that. So it reminds me it. of, um, it reminds me of something I heard the other day where it's like, uh, you've been given this life and your job is to pay it back with interest. And so it's like, yeah. okay, I've got this life. And I'm going to get back and some. I'm going to go. I'm going to give it some serious interest. So I love that idea. Yeah, it's it's easy to remember too. Kind of if you when in doubt, give more. <laughs> <laughs> now, this 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 last question is it's completely. I mean, I don't think I've ever been so certain. I know the answer. I mean, it's it's not in void. So uh, I, I always ask at the end, what is one thing our listeners can start doing today that will have a positive impact yeah. on their lives? But I'm I'm going to guess it's go to water, be near water, have access to water something <laughs> yeah, yeah get I, well, I would say you know that that's it but I, I'll, I'll add something to that um get in the water get to the water and take somebody with you uh find somebody that you know hasn't been to the water or hasn't been in a long time and just grab their hand and drag them to the water with you i guarantee they will thank you for it. Um, and you, you will enjoy the experience as well, but we need to, we need, we all need guides. We all need encouragement. And it's a, uh, it's nice to spend time at the water with, 
with, uh, with other people. So, um, whether you're paddling or walking by the water or going for a surf or just going to listen to it, just grab somebody could be a stranger and just say, Hey, I'm going to the water. You look like you might need a little blue mind and then just do it. Like it's, it's not that complicated and you might feel weird doing it, but you get over it fast. <laughs> yeah. After this, I'm going to go down to the canal and like, going to ask, go and get a date. Be like, hi, do you want to come to the water? Yeah. Leave me alone. Fuck off. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, so do it. Uh, you need to report back to me and let me know how that goes. Okay. Okay. All right. So yeah. what, what time is it now? It, it's six o'clock. Okay. Oh, after, after this conversation, I'm going to go and, I'm going to go and ask a girl to the water. <laughs> And it says, what? Why? You can, what? You have no, a, you have... no, no, I'm like, it's, it's blue mind. It's not red mind. Get out of red mind. It's blue mind. Yeah, what do you exactly. mean? Blue? What? what? What do you mean? Leave me alone. <laughs> Maybe onto something. <laughs> How can people find out more about you and your work? Look up um, blue mind or look up brain on water or whatever your, your path into this is. Um, you'll find a lot of resources. There's a there's some great work happening at the University of Exeter Medical School on blue health, uh, if you're interested in the research. Um, and I, you know, I'm, you don't need to go to my website, but if you, if you're, you know, if you, if you want more information about what I'm doing, it's, it's all there. But the, the best stuff is happening out all over the world. Um, so many organizations committed to protecting waterways are getting the idea that the emotional component is important and they're, they're doing it. So, um, you know, that's the other thing I'd say is help that process along. You know, if you're involved in a, in a charity that works on water, make sure that they're building blue mind into their messaging, uh, because it, it really is like, it supercharges our effort when we add in this emotional piece. So, um, that's, uh, that would be my, my suggestion. Don't, don't go to my website, go to the website of your favorite water organization and help them update, uh, with these ideas. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Have a great evening. I want to hear about the, the water trip. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you an email. <laughs> yeah. Excellent.